Good evening, I'm Abe Shapiro. And this is Disabulletin, where we cover the top stories impacting the disability community across the country and around the world. We're back after a lengthy research sabbatical to bring you the latest in disability news. We start off tonight's installment by reviewing the developments of our previous story, this one out of White Plains, New York. It's the civil action case of Westchester Disabled on the Move, or WDOMI, versus the rideshare company Lyft, over Lyft's alleged lack of wheelchair-accessible vehicles. The original lawsuit was filed in 2017 by White Plains resident Harriet Lowell on behalf of individuals with mobility disabilities who are, quote, pervasively and systematically excluded from Lyft's convenient transportation services, as Lyft does not provide wheelchair-accessible vehicles in White Plains, end quote. Following our interview with WDOMI attorney Jeremiah Fry Pearson and Plaintiff Lowell one month ago, a hearing was held on August 31st, presided over by Judge Philip M. Halpern, who scheduled the next court date for December 12th, when a trial date will be set. As the date of the next hearing nears, this bulletin hopes to bring Mr. Fry Pearson, WDOMI representatives, and Plaintiff Harriet Lowell back on the show for further details. For the first time ever, a major airline plans to give travelers with disabilities a tool to help them find accessible flights. On September 28th, United Airlines announced it will be offering travelers with disabilities a new accommodation to make traveling easier. By entering the exact dimensions of one's wheelchair with the tool, passengers with disabilities can better determine which flights feature doors large enough to accommodate their specific mobility devices. Other reforms announced by the airline include reimbursing the cost of travelers when flights offering improved accessibility are more expensive than the traveler's original flight. Along with specialized seating at terminals for passengers with damaged wheelchairs or who are waiting for their wheelchairs following security checks or arrival at the airport. Such reforms have been announced following United concluding negotiations with the U.S. Department of Transportation concerning a 2022 complaint from one Ingracia Figueroa. Figueroa's motorized wheelchair was damaged during a 2021 United flight, after which she was forced to sit in an inaccessible wheelchair for hours after landing. Figueroa's attorney argued the incident caused injuries, allegedly leading to Figueroa's death three months later. On September 12th, Senators Sherrod Brown of Ohio and Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana proposed the SSI Savings Penalty Elimination Act to raise limits for those wishing to apply for Social Security for the first time in 34 years. This legislation comes as the Social Security Administration is attempting to reclaim billions sent to the nation's elderly and disabled populations, funds which were more than what they were entitled to. According to a 2022 report by the SSA's Inspector General, quote, the department, that being the Social Security Administration, recalled $4.7 billion of overpayments, but $21.6 billion was unaccounted for, end quote. Overpayments from the Social Security Administration often result when the department makes an error in the process of examining a beneficiary's application or from beneficiaries themselves failing to comply with requirements. If beneficiaries have already spent the money they were overpaid, the Social Security Administration will require the beneficiary to pay back the money they were overpaid in full by halting or decreasing monthly benefit payments, garnishing wages, 
or halting tax refunds intended for those beneficiaries. Such strategies can cause undue hardship financially. Social Security Administration officials cite complex rules, incorrect data regarding income limits for Social Security beneficiaries, and inadequate staffing as the reasons for why overpayment continues to occur. The general limit for an eligible beneficiary of Supplemental Security Income, SSI, or government assistance to individuals with disabilities in poverty is $2,000 in assets for an individual and $3,000 for couples, though such limits haven't been adjusted for inflation since 1989. Also last Thursday, the U.S. Department of Labor announced it will be examining what is known in the disability community as the Section 14C program. In 1938, the Fair Labor Standards Act was passed, setting minimum wage for the first time in American history. According to the law, employers of persons with disabilities may submit an application for a 14C special certificate, which permits them to pay said persons with disabilities a salary less than the federal minimum wage of $7.25 per hour. According to an October 1st article by Disability News Service, Disability Scoop, quote, such a review comes at the urging of disability advocates and other entities, including the Government Accountability Office, the National Council on Disability, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and the Labor Department's Advisory Committee on Increasing Competitive Integrated Employment, end quote. In 2014, President Obama passed the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, which stipulated paying people with disabilities below the federal minimum could only be implemented if prior options for vocational rehabilitation or training individuals with disabilities before graduating high school were unsuccessful. That is, training individuals with disabilities for employment following high school. According to a report from the Government Accountability Office issued this year, workers with disabilities across the country earning subminimum wage has decreased from 296,000 to 122,000 between 2010 and 2019. And just last month, the Department of Labor demonstrated that such a number has now dropped below 43,000 following 16 states passing legislation not only limiting, but prohibiting the practices of subminimum wage. And our final story this evening takes us to the highest courtroom in the land, where the holy grail of disability civil rights, the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, is under judicial scrutiny once again. The case is Atchison Hotels LLC versus Lawfer, and asks whether individuals with disabilities have the right to file a lawsuit against a business under the ADA if they do not visit it. The plaintiff in this case is one Deborah Lawfer of Florida, who has a vision impairment requiring usage of a cane or wheelchair. Lawfer is what is known as a, quote, tester, end quote, in the disability civil rights community, or someone who investigates ADA violations in order to bring legal action. The case dates back to September 2020, when Ms. Lawfer first filed in the U.S. District Court of Maine, while attempting to visit reservation websites for two hotels operated by Atchison LLC, Lawfer discovered that the sites did not provide adequate details regarding ADA accessibility at the hotels. Lawfer argues she has grounds to sue based on two portions of the ADA. First, Title III, which reads, quote, no individual shall be discriminated against on the basis of disability in the full and equal enjoyment of goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, 
or accommodations of any place of public accommodation by the proprietor of said accommodation, end quote. These places of public accommodation include hotels. Enforcement of this title falls to the United States Department of Justice, who drafted regulations prior to the ADA's passage in 1990. The regulation, known as the Reservations Rule, stipulates that hotels, quote, with respect to reservations made by any means, end quote, must, quote, identify and describe accessible features in the hotels and guest rooms offered through its reservation service in enough detail to reasonably permit individuals with disabilities to assess whether a given hotel or guest room meets their accessibility needs, end quote. The Supreme Court must now decide whether or not Ms. Lawfer has what is known as Article III standing under the U.S. Constitution. Under such standing, Ms. Lawfer would need to satisfy the following three standards. One, that she suffered a concrete injury. Two, that such injury resulted specifically from the defendant's actions. And three, that such an injury will be fully resolved should the court rule in the plaintiff's favor, the plaintiff in this case being Ms. Lawfer. On the other side, Atchison Hotels LLC asked the court to dismiss Lawfer's case for, quote, lack of standing, since Lawfer had no intention of staying at their hotels and was therefore not injured. Previously, this argument was sufficient enough that the District Court of Maine dismissed Lawfer's case, after which she appealed, end quote. In the coming days, Disabulletin will cover the arguments made on both sides of the courtroom, arguments which are slated before the court tomorrow at high noon. Abe Shapiro, WFHB News, Live and Learn.